I'd like to invite you, if you would, to look in your program and pull out your message notes. That's the first thing. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to page, I mean, Psalm 139. If you picked up a lobby Bible, it would be on page 477. And just know that if you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to take one of these. And it's our gift to you today. If you do have one, when you pick one up, just put it back so someone else might be able to take that Bible as well. But right at the top is the verse that Heather mentioned. And that's our theme verse for this series from Ephesians 2, 10. And it's on the screens, and I'd like to ask if you would, if we could all read it out loud together. Okay, ready, go. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at, okay, God, help us to discover this masterpiece you've made. Help us to understand you. Help us to understand us, because we want to be the people you made us to be. And as we said, we want to be the, I want to be the real me, and you want to be the real you. And the main idea of the series is the next line on your message notes, and it says this. It says, I will become the real you as I know the real God. I can't become the real me until I understand the real God and who God is. So over the past couple of weeks, we've jumped in in Psalm 139, and we've looked at God and how that applies to us, how it can help us to know who we are. First, that we said that God knows everything. That means he knows you perfectly in every way, so you can trust that. And then last week, we said that God is everywhere, that he is in every place, and not just in every place, but it says his presence is in every place. It's meaning that he has his face turned toward you, and that he's looking at you. He sees you. There's never a moment when you are not in his sight. He is focused on you, and I gave you an exercise I asked you to practice last week, and the exercise was that you would try this out to go through your week by saying this phrase as often as you could, the Lord is in this place. Just as a reminder that the Lord is in this place. So how many of you did that this week? Raise your hand. Okay, you didn't do so good. Either you weren't here last week or you didn't quite get it. So that's your assignment this week is to practice again. The Lord is in this place. And I tell you, I did it this week and it was amazing the difference it made in my attitude and my circumstances I was going through my situation. One of the things I talked about is, you know, in driving in the car and looking beside me and the seat empty and looking and, and trying to picture Jesus being in that seat and talking to him. Now, some of you, if you're driving and the seat's not empty, it may be hard to picture that person as being Jesus, so you might want to look around them. But that's what I did. In fact, someone wrote me an email after last week and said this. I said, Ron, today I'm going home alone to be in a home alone to have lunch alone. And then she said, and I looked beside me, and there was Jesus in my seat. And she smiled, and she said, I realize that his presence is with me, that he's there beside me. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, now based upon that, that he knows me and he's always with me, then he's got a pretty good idea about me and what I need and about life and what I need to know about life and where I need to go. And so he can guide us. And we're going to look at that today. So verse 10, we're going to jump back just a little bit where we were last week, just to verse 10 today. And we're going to look at this one verse and let it be our guide, let it be our jumping off place to talk a little bit about this whole idea of God's guidance and God's will. Verse 10, it says this, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Now, the idea of this verse is this. It's a strong picture. It's not a light picture. It's basically, you know, sometimes when you're got little kids and, and you're going through uh, like a store or they get a little bit out of line, one of the things you do is you grab them by the back of the neck and you kind of guide them along. That's the picture here. It really is. It's the picture that we're saying here is that God wants to guide us through life. And really the better picture would be this. 
is that God is like a highway and that God has erected guardrails on the highway and the guardrails are his guidance and I get to live my life within those guardrails, but as long as I stay within them, life goes good. But when I jump outside of the guardrail, life is not so good. How many of you ever had a wreck where you went outside the guardrail? It's not fun, right? Not a good place. Some of you have maybe had that experience in life where you've gotten outside of God's guardrails and you could attest to the fact that that's not a good place to be. When you live within the guardrails, that's the place where God says, that's where you're going to find fulfillment, and that's where you're going to be able to discover me and life. Now, the fact that I want you to write down that we're going to jump off and learn today and experience is this. God is a guiding God. God is a guiding God. That's the truth that we want to concentrate on today. Our God is a God who guides. Since he knows all things, since he's in all places, then I can trust his guidance to be the best guidance that I need in my circumstances right now. I can trust that to be true. I want to come back to that verse I read a moment ago from Psalm 32, 8. And this is a promise for you. A promise for you. The Lord says, I will, I will guide you along the best pathway, along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you, and I will watch over you. So from the beginning of time, as from the beginning of the Bible, as it was recorded, as you read through the pages of the Bible, you find where God talks to people, God inspires people to do something for him. He guides them, and they respond to him. It began with Abram. And Abram, God came to Abram and said, I want you to go to the promised land. I want you to go to be my people. And Abram said, okay, but where is it? And he goes, well, I'll tell you when you get there. And so he took off. And he went where God guided, even though he didn't know the end of the promise. Isaac, he's in um, Canaan. It's in a famine. And his son Joseph's already in Egypt. And God comes and says, I want you to take the whole nation of Israel to, I want you to take them to um, Egypt. And I want you to live there. So they live there. They, go, they become captives of the Egyptians. And then as they're, they're captives of the Egyptians, then uh, God speaks to Moses and said, Moses, I want you to go set my people free. Now I want you to take them again to the promised land. I don't know where it's going to be. You know, Moses didn't know where it was going to be, but he just had to respond to as God guided and actually had to go there and take his people. Then you just go for the rest of the Bible. You read occasion after occasion after event after event where God, all the way through the New Testament, where God calls people and they respond to him because our God is a God-guiding God. Now, I just want to kind of help us to think a little bit this morning about where we are. So I'm going to ask for a show of hands in just a minute. How many of you are facing some decision in your life, some difficulty, some choice, some life circumstances, and you would say today, God, I need to hear your voice. Would you raise your hand with me? I am just amazed. This has been every service, every service. The level of people saying, God, right now I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate to hear from you. And you're here to say today, God, I need to hear your will. Now, some of us, the issues we face are bigger than others. For some of us, the biggest issue we may face is which color shirt to wear or where I'm going to eat this afternoon or what movie to watch this weekend. But others of us, when we answer that question, we're trying to decide what to do with an aging parent. We're trying to decide how we would help a prodigal child in some way. We're trying to decide what to do about a job or a job change or a job loss or a financial difficulty that we're going through right now. Or maybe there's a job offer. Should we take this job offer? Or maybe there's a business venture right before us. What should we do about this business venture? We're trying to decide 
whether we should marry this person that we've been dating for a while. Is this the person that you would want me to marry? We're trying to decide what school that we might go to or what doctor we might pursue for the health issues that we're facing. Those, those are the big kinds of issues that I think most of us would, that's why we raised our hands today, because we want answers or we want guidance from God for those things. And that's why it's actually been so freeing for us to go through this, these first 12 verses of Psalm 139, because, you know, just backing up again uh, to talk about that just for a minute, those first six verses showed us that how God knows you perfectly knows you perfectly. Then the next six verses says God is everywhere. So he's got his face right toward you. He knows you. He sees you. He knows what you need. And he is a guiding God. He's going to guide you. Now, even though the Bible explicitly says that God guides, that he guides us, how God guides is one of the most confusing topics there is, I believe. How he actually guides. Being able to know his will. I love how Chuck Swindoll says it because it's very clear. He says, it's much easier to know God's will for my wife <laughs> than it is for my life, right? It's true. So think about your own life. It's easier to find God's will for someone else. It's very hard sometimes to find it out for yourself. Now, there are two kind of extremes I want to point out as we kind of look at this today. The first extreme would be over here, and this person is someone who says they hear God all the time. So every time you're with this person, it's God said this, God said that, God did this, God did that, God showed me, God did that. And it's always God speaking to them. It's in everything. And you wonder sometimes, well, really? Do you think that's really was it always God's voice? Was it always there? You know what? And you have to trust that that person's being genuine at their place. So this is kind of this side. Then over here, you have someone who loves God just as much, who's walking in maturity after God just as much, and who is learning from Christ just as much. And this person would say, well, you know, that's just not been my experience. God occasionally seems to speak to me, and every time he does, I listen to him and I hear him. And so we kind of have the two extremes, both people saying they love God. What I want to do today is I want to kind of walk right down the middle. And as I'm walking down the middle today, I want to talk to us about how we can understand God's will. I want to clear up some of the confusion about some of the myths around God's guidance and will. And then I'm going to walk us through kind of a lifestyle that we would live to be able to understand and hear from God. So first of all, let's talk about how God guides and it's, these are kind of, these are principles, uh, four principles of God's guidance that we need to latch onto because they're, you know, come right from the Bible and help us to understand how he guides. The first is this, God's guidance leads me to discover the person he designed. God's guidance leads me to discover the person he designed. So when he's going to guide me, it's going to be to help me to discover or become the person he designed. Now we're going to cover this in depth next week. Next week, we're going to look at uh, verses 13 through 16 in Psalm 139, which talk about the fact that we are wonderfully made. We are uniquely designed. Every one of us is unique. And because we're unique, that we believe that God made us for his specific purpose. But for today, I just want to say it this way before we get into next week. Just say it this way today. God's will is more about who we are than it is about what we do or where we go. God's will is more about who we are than it is about what we do or where we go. And we get so caught up in what we do or where we go that we're sometimes missing the fact that God's will is about who we are, who we become, what he's doing in us. Let's kind of think about this a little bit. God will never lead you to do something that he's not already equipped you to be. 
then he's not working and he's not designing you to become. You may feel, you know, someone may come up and say, I really feel like God's called me to sing on the vocal team at Twin Cities Church. I want to sing to God for his glory. But if you can't sing in tune and you can't keep a beat and your face looks like you've been eating lemons, (laughs) then that's probably not the way God's wired you. Okay, that's probably not the giftings that you would have. It's probably not so. He will not ask you to do something that goes against who he's made you to be. He will not ask you to do something that goes against who he's made you to be. In fact, one way to discover who he made you to be is to listen to his guidance and follow him. And as you're following him, he's going to guide you to become the person he designed you to be. That's why you need to discover your gifts and your wirings and how he's actually made you. He will want, here's what God wants. He will want to maximize the gifts that he gave you so that they bring God glory, build others up, and bless your socks off. He wants to know, he, he will, you know, he wants to bless you with gifts. So in those gifts, he wants to maximize your gifts so that they bring God glory, build others up, and bless you as you use them in the process. Now, let's just be honest. Most of us, when we talk about God's guidance, we talk about God's will, we're talking about discovering where and what. We're just talking about discovering where and what. We're looking at the options that are before us. Which road am I supposed to take? And I'll just say this. God is concerned about those things. God will guide you. God will speak to you about those things. But he's mostly concerned with who you're becoming. And he's going to guide you to become the person he made you to be. Second principle, this. God's guidance leads me to desire his presence more than his direction. His guidance leads me to desire his presence more than his direction. Folks, it's just real clear in the Bible. God wants you to desire his presence more than his guidance. He wants you to desire his presence more than his answers. And we get so caught up in looking for the answers that we're not desiring his presence so what he's saying is, what I'm saying is, instead of being preoccupied with God's answers, God wants us to be pre- wants us to be preoccupied with His presence, preoccupied with Him. And here's what's really cool: as I become preoccupied with His presence, He gives me His answers. He gives me His guidance. As I'm preoccupied with Him, as I'm walking with Him, as I'm experiencing Him, I, I'm ending up going down the pathway that He wanted me to go down all along. And it's for my best. Remember, it's for my best, the best pathway He has for me. But I'll just say it this way. It rarely works the other way around. I need to be involved in seeking His presence. Now, there's a guy. His name was Nicholas Herman. Uh, I bet none of you have ever heard of Nicholas Herman. Probably none of us. I had never heard. I didn't know this was his name either. Anyway, Nicholas Herman was a short order cook and a bottle washer. And he had a life, and he was very unsatisfied with the life that he had. So he started an experiment, and he called it an ongoing soul conversation with God. An ongoing soul conversation with God. He just wanted to be in God's presence every day. Well, his life was changed in such a huge way and impacted so many people's lives as they watched him, as his life was changed, that the people who knew him gave him a new name. And the new name they gave him was Brother Lawrence. Now, some of you may have heard of Brother Lawrence. There's a book that was 
written about his writings. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. And he wrote this book. It was written by people who had watched him from his writings about his experience of learning to practice the presence of God, to desire the presence of God. Here's one thing he wrote. He said this. The most holy and necessary practice in our spiritual life is the presence of God. That means finding constant pleasure in his divine company, speaking humbly and lovingly with him in all seasons, at every moment, without limiting the conversation in any way. And folks, that's what I believe that God wants. So my task in this world is not to, you know, go through a magnifying glass looking through haystacks for answers. My task in the world is to be clued in and dialed in to being in relationship, being in the presence of God. And out of that, he will show me his answers. Third principle. God's guidance leads me to do his will, not just find his will. It leads me to do his will, not just find his will. Now, I want you to write this maxim down. Write in that blank there. You've got a little bit of space there. Write this maxim down. Here it is. Our task is not so much to find God's will. Our task is to follow God's will. Our task is not so much to find God's will. Our task is to follow God's will, to obey what we know to do, to do as he says, to do as he guides. My responsibility and your responsibility is to follow the leadership that God gives, to do as he's guided me to do, to obey him and to walk and step with him every single moment of every single day, listening to his word and responding to him. That's what he's called us to do. So what we have to do is we have to put aside our preoccupation sometimes with that big picture. You know, put our, aside our preoccupation. I, I've got to know all the way out there to the end what it's going to be before I can respond. Most times that's not the way God works. Most times God's, how, God's how he works is, is he says, here's what I want you to do next. And as you keep taking the next step with me, we're going to get to the end I want you to be if you walk with me all the way to that end. So I need to concentrate not so much on his will, but I need to concentrate on finding his will, but in following his will. And then here's the last principle. God's guidance leads me to develop my character more than my comfort. This is the hardest one of all, honestly. It leads me to develop my character more than my comfort. Now, this may surprise some of you today, but I've said it before. I know you know it to be true in your life. God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. It's just true. He's more concerned with your character than he is with your comfort. Now, I, I've been real open and honest about I'm in this treatment plan for my hepatitis C, and I'm in my third week now. This will be the end of week three today, and then 21 more weeks to go. And I've been real honest about uh, how this is probably going to affect me and has in many ways. But here I want to tell you about the first week. In the first week of treatment, I just got to, I was a mess. I was a wreck. Physically fatigued, achy headaches, body aches, uh, nausea, uh, quivers. And, I mean, just beyond imagination, physically, not all the things that I was going through. But I was also an emotional wreck an emotional basket case. Uh, as the, you know, you have medications, you can't, whatever the medication does to you is who you get to be. And so it's, it's working inside of me. It's a cause, this cauldron of emotion that was just, you know, just like this, building up like that. And so what I started to do in that first week, in those first days, I said, God, I want to ask you to take away these side effects. And I, 
I heard as if God had spoken to me clearly these words. Here's what he said to me. I am giving you a gift. You get the next 24 weeks to learn new levels of self-control. You're going to have a medically induced flood of emotion, and I want you to learn how to control it through my power so that when you're finished, you're better at controlling it in the everyday moments of life. I wanted comfort. (laughs) I wanted the side effects to be taken away, but God said, no, I'm more interested in character, Thompson. I want character to be what you gain from this experience. You know, some of you, and the reason this is maybe such a struggle for you is that you've bought into the lie that God wants you to be happy, that he wants you to be happy. (laughs) I've heard it. I've heard people say, well, Ron, God wouldn't want me to be unhappy, would he? So I have to do, Ron, what's going to make me happy. I have to do what's best for me, Ron. And folks, I just got, I just got to know, what's best for you in your mind may not be what's best for you. May not be what's best for you. God's will for you is not the American dream. It's just not. God's will for you is that you be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. That's his will for you. And that will not happen without some chiseling and chopping and changing and discomfort that we go through. He says, I want you to obey because it's not about character. I mean, not about comfort. It's about character. Listen to this quote. There is no way to learn except by choosing. There is no way to choose except by risking. There is no way to risk unless failure is an option. And there is no way to fail without feeling pain. That's the process that we're entering into. Let me do it again. There is no way to learn except by choosing. There is no way to choose except by risking. There is no way to risk unless failure is an option. And there is no way to fail without feeling pain. No way to fail. So choosing leads to failure, leads to pain, but that leads to character. That leads to me becoming who God has called me to be. Now, turn on the backside of your notes. And what I want to do is I'm not going to give you a formula today. You know, I've got to be real careful when we do these God's will things people are going to take it as a formula. What I want to do is I want to talk to you. It's not even a system. I want to talk to you about a lifestyle that you would enter into, and it's kind of a, it's a daily lifestyle where you just say, this is going to be how I live my life the rest of my days, and I'm going to use this as a way that helps me to get in tune with what God might say to me, and he might guide me. And here's the kind of the, the pieces of this process. First is ask him. I need to ask God. I need to you know, be bold enough to say, God, will you show me your guidance? Will you show me your will? Will you speak to me? Will you guide me in some way? That's what the psalmist is doing in these verses. Verse 27, 11 says, teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path. So he's asking God, God, show me. And then the next one, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. The best way to get guidance from God, folks, is to ask him. Just ask him to be responsible. I have a 17-year-old, an 11-year-old, and we're still learning this in our home, how this actually works out and how it plays out. And, but, you know, my kids will make a statement like this. You know, I really could use some lunch. <laughs> and, you know, and 
basically, they kind of, the words float out into the air, you know, and, and so we're just kind of there and, and think, oh, okay, well, um, great. <laughs> so how would you be responsible about that? How would you get lunch if you wanted lunch? Oh, oh, okay. I could, would somebody be willing to help me get lunch? Okay, you ask. You ask for it. That's how you get lunch. You either do it yourself or you ask someone to help you. And when we come to God sometimes, some of us come to God and we say, God, I want this. And God's saying, okay. And he's saying, would you respect me enough to ask me? Would you really put it in the right you know, balance here about who's God and who's not and ask me for it. And some of us, we need to learn just to ask God for the things we want. He wants us to do that. Second, seek him. Seek him. I need to spend my time seeking him, that presence thing that we talked about. And one of the best places to seek God is in his word. One of the best places to find God is right here. You wonder where God is? Open up the book. That's where God is, and he's speaking to you. You open up this book, he's going like this. He's talking. He's saying, listen, 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 I'm speaking. And you open up the book, and God's going to speak to you. So this is why you got to make this part of your daily life. God's going to speak to you. He's going to surprise you sometimes at what he wants to say. You will find guidance here. Psalm 119 says, Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Here's what you need to know. God's will will never lead you to do something that goes against God's word. If you think that you're hearing from God and God's calling you to do something that goes against his word, it's not God. It's not. He will never lead you to do something that goes against his word and what he says. It will never contradict his word. And I've heard people justify their choices by saying it's God's will and saying, I'm going to do it even though it goes against God's word. And it just can't. It can't be the same. So we need to seek him so we're in alignment with what he says. Third, I need to obey him. I just need to have a lifestyle where I'm going to be obedient, where I'm going to be obedient to what I know to be true, what I know he's already shown me. I'm going to be obedient to that. So if I'm going to continue to receive guidance from God, the one thing I have to do is continue to do what I already know. I need to continue to do what I already know. And some people are so caught up in finding God's will, finding what God says. And sometimes I say, are you doing what you already know? Oh, well, no, I need to know my answer here. But are you doing what you're? No, but you, you got to do what you already know. And then, as you do what you already know, God says, "Oh, now I can trust you." Okay, so let's give you a little bit more. Let's help you to know what it is that you're. What I want you to do next. See, some some people they run around all the time and say, "God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God spoke to me," but they're never doing anything God said. And God says, "No, I need you to obey what I've already told you. I need to do that." Psalm one forty three says, "Teach me to do your will." For you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. Now, I'm going to give you a couple examples of people who heard God and then obeyed. Uh, The small group that my wife Kimberly and are part of, uh, when we started talking through several months ago about the fact that I was going to enter this treatment schedule, and then we discovered that she has Lyme's disease, and she was also going to go through a treatment thing, is that our small group asked, felt, sensed, God say to them, that they would become our consistent prayer partners. And we're not talking just, you know, hey, we'll pray for you at small group. But here's what they heard since God's say, is that they were to 
pray for us. Uh, they were pray, to pray for us on Sunday, and they were to pray for us at Twin Cities Church during a service. Now, those are a lot, it's pretty specific what they heard. Now, they could have said, okay, well, yeah, God said pray, so we're going to pray for you, so just send us your prayer request, and we'll pray from home. But no, they had to obey directly what God said. And through a lot of hurdles, we went through to try to figure out, is there a place? Is it, how's it going to happen? I'm just so uncomfortable doing this personally. And so um, we were able to find a place. We said, okay, here's the deal. If you're willing to do that, if you show up every Sunday at 8 a.m., we'll give you a room and you can pray in. So that's what they're doing. They're out the way down at the other end of the building. We have an empty room at 8 a.m. And they sit in there and we send them prayer requests during the week and how things are going. And they pray. They didn't just hear from God. They obeyed. Another example. There's a man in our church who has cancer. And this man has cancer, and he needs treatment for his cancer. He's not able to afford the treatment for his cancer. The doctors won't give him his medicine without help. A group of his friends have come around him and said, we think God's leading us to do a benefit for this man. Benefit for this man. Now, you got to know, this is not a simple thing, a simple thing. And so they're just, they just keep walking forward in obedience. They're facing all kinds of barriers and all kinds of walls about how to do it. So they arranged, I know you guys have seen fish eyes, right? We've done it a couple of times. So they got the fish eyes guys, fish eyes guys, to agree to do fish eyes for them next Saturday night. And then uh, they said, where? And so long, all kinds of hurdles, all kinds of circumstances. It's going to be down in our student ministry room. And so down in our student ministry room next Saturday night, this group of friends are going to come around their friend and they're going to help their friend to be able to afford his cancer treatment because God said so. And they obeyed against all kinds of hurdles, all kinds of reasons why that wouldn't happen. God says he wants us to obey. And then the last one is I trust. I trust. I need to trust. I need to trust God. I need to trust him. Psalm 37, these verses are wonderful verses about trust. Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently. Would you circle that, wait patiently? I think that's the key there, for him to act. When you hear God's guidance, when you know God's will, when you've heard God speaks, sometimes, and you obey and you step out, sometimes it doesn't happen as you thought it would. Sometimes it doesn't happen when you thought it would. And when those times, those times come because you've developed a relationship with God, because you understand him, it requires trust. Trust when you're waiting on God. Trust that he's going to come through. Trust that he's going to guide. Trust that he knows the big picture. Trust that he knows what you really need. And then take the next step that you already know he's called you to take. Part of the whole idea is this. When you have a guide, you have to trust the guide. When you have a guide, you have to trust the guide. And that means that I have to trust him in this circumstance and this situation. Now look at that last phrase. This is kind of the key the whole day right here. I'm just going to give you God's will right now, okay, for everybody. Here we go. God's will for you is to give your whole life to him. Give your whole life to hold nothing back. Give it all to him. Let's bow our heads and let's have a moment to pray. And as we begin our prayer time, I want to ask a question to kind of catapult us forward. Here's the question. 
Are you following God's guidance and his will where it is clear to you? Are you following God's guidance and God's will where it is clear to you? God, I pray that you would show us. I pray today, God, that you would guide us. I know that um, we can be so caught up in answers and your will that we forget to follow sometimes. And so I pray, Father, that you would help each of us today to do what we already know you've called us to do. That we would be faithful with where you've placed us. That, God, that we would look to you, that we would just even when we feel like that this is so uncomfortable, that we want to bolt, that we want to run, that we would realize that even when it's uncomfortable that you have a purpose and that your purpose is that you're more concerned with our character than our comfort. God, I pray that you would help us to want to do your will as much as we want to find your will. That we would be willing, willing servants of you that would step forward and do it, dear Father. And Father, mostly... I pray that you would help us to become the people you made us to be. That as we follow you, we know that you're going to guide us, always guide us forward, even through difficulty, even through challenge, to become the person you designed us to be. We thank you, Jesus, for that. And I pray today for every one of us, some of us have deep, deep needs that we wanna, we're screaming out for you to answer. And God, in your mercy, I pray that you would answer those requests. By your grace, I pray that you would give people guidance, that they would feel comfort today having been here in your presence. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.